What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I am Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarlane, and here we are, three more sleeps until Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. The Chiefs and the Eagles, this is it. The one final game of the NFL season, the one ring to rule them all, if you uh, are a Lord of the Rings fan. And uh, Dwayne, here it is. I mean, I asked, you know, how are you feeling? Because, you know, that's important to me. We talk about it as though we're playing. We, we have no physical obligations for this game whatsoever but it's still exciting i mean how are you feeling just this uh this close to, to super bowl 57 well i feel great because i think we have a great matchup you know anytime you get to the final game and you've got a 50.5 game total and the favorite is only favored by one and a half points like that's the game we're looking for every week when we wake up and we've got a 16 game slate and we're getting it on Super Bowl Sunday. So I feel really happy that these are the two teams that made it through. Obviously, there were some other quality candidates that could have made it. The Bengals, the Bills could have also played a good Super Bowl. But I think this is a great matchup with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Absolutely. We we could have played a round-robin tournament, I think, in the AFC between the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills to see who was going to make it in. I think in the NFC, the... Eagles sort of look like the class of the conference the entire way. The 49ers certainly made a a strong push, but uh, I have no complaints whatsoever about the two teams that made it there. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Looking forward to that. We will dive into that in depth in just a bit, but wanted to start with some of the other goings on in Phoenix for the past week. And maybe the biggest one, or at least the most uh, emotional one, was Damar Hamlin stepping to the stage on Wednesday. He was awarded the NFLPA's Allen Page Community Award for his work. Uh, ended up raising more than $9 million for his Chasing M's Foundation, which was incredible. Obviously, the circumstances under which it happened, you wish didn't didn't occur. But, Dwayne, it was amazing to see DeMar be able to travel, be able to be there uh, in Phoenix to accept this award in person. I think it was just one of the, uh, I think, one of the more memorable moments of what should be a very memorable Super Bowl week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to see $9 million raised, like, it, we're always looking for silver linings, right? Um, it would be nice if these sort of things happened without like, you know, the tragedy that we saw that night now, it ended up not being a tragedy. It was very scary at the time and something positive came out of it, but just really happy, you know, to see Hamlin there, um, see him up and about and just, you know, his spirits seemed to be great. And Dr. Tom Mayer, the director of NFL Players Association, uh, the medical director, he says, I guarantee you that DeMar Hamlin will play professional football again. Now, we didn't hear those words directly from Hamlin, but I'm guessing the two have talked, Marcus. So we have just come such a long way from where we were just a few weeks ago when we actually took one podcast off, you know, just because of the, you know, how heavy everything was around the league at that moment and just taking time, you know, us to reflect like what's important in life and and remembering, you know, to spend time with your family, all those sort of things, right. That an event like that can trigger. And, you know, just to see it all wrapped around, like, you know, such an amazing human being. Yeah. I, it was, it was something to see yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, And you, you mentioned that uh, Tom Mayer, the the doctor saying uh, he he guarantees that Hamlin will play. I know DeMora Smith was a little bit more measured saying that, you know, DeMar and his family will make that decision, but either way, just the progress he has made since that night in Cincinnati has been incredible and uh, certainly wish him continued success uh, in his rehab. And it would be wonderful if he decides to play again to see him back out on the field. 
In the meantime, we have two teams taking the field for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Of course, uh, you can always go to the Game Hub to get plenty of information. You can find that at fantasylife.com. I always say it's the one-stop shop for everything you need to have a good sweat this weekend, uh, whether you are playing DFS, best balls, uh, if you are in uh, doing player props, what have you, uh, just straight-up sports betting, everything you want to help you be informed, or at least just some good reading is uh, is all there for you. So let's just get right into this. Chiefs and Eagles. Philly, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. As you mentioned, the total, it's 50-and-a-half points. Uh, let's start on the Philadelphia side because, to me, they have been consistently the best team in the league all season long. Dwayne, they are the most balanced team. Uh, I mean, when you look at this, if you're the Eagles, how do you how do you prepare? Because you do so many things well. Uh, I mean, I guess the I guess the, the better answer is for the Chiefs. What do you prepare for? Because the Eagles do so many things well. When you look at Philadelphia, how do you assess what this offense brings to the table? Yeah, I mean, and I would even take it just a level higher, like just to start, right? Just again, kind of going back to looking at the matchup we have. Like we have the two top offenses, Marcus. They average 28.7 points per game, both teams. That's tied for first. Like, so we know we're going to get the points. Um, the Eagles are better on defense. Um, so I think to your point, you talked about the Eagles being the most balanced team. And that's why I think that they are the favorites. I think if you just have to pick quarterback, you're going to lean to Patrick Mahomes. But that's what's keeping the spread so close at one and a half is the Patrick Mahomes factor. Because outside of Mahomes, we know Kelsey's a superstar, but really it's kind of a patchwork for the Chiefs. And if you look at their offense, while it's been decent, you know, against the run because they get a lot of leading scripts and things like that, like overall, um, you know, they depend on getting ahead in games. They depend on really creating that pass rush. So for the Chiefs, if you're looking at the Eagles offense and you're thinking, oh, my God, like, how do I stop this? Like the number one thing you need to do is just be yourself. You need to go out and score right away, pile up as many points as you can, and you want to try to get the Eagles into a one-dimensional attack. Because when the Eagles are truly clicking on all cylinders, the run game's working with that offensive line. Jalen Hurts is also adding in, sprinkling in design runs, also scrambling, and then they start hitting the big passes to all the weapons. Like, you just... You know, it's one of those things where you're like looking around and you're like, I don't have enough fingers to plug all these holes. And there's just, you know, your boat's going to be sinking. So I think the Chiefs, to answer your question, they've got to start fast. And then they have got to come out. And, and honestly, I would, this sounds weird this day and age, but stop the run early. Stop the run early. If you can get the Eagles to a point where they're discouraged from running and you can build a lead a little bit, then you hope that really you get them to that, like I said, that one dimensional element. And even then... It's still going to be tough because you got to deal with AJ Brown. You got to deal with Devonta Smith. You're going to have to deal with Dallas Goddard. So it's not going to be an easy task. And the Chiefs, like that is their weakness. It's their defense. Like, so from a DVOA perspective, so if anybody hasn't heard of that, it's from Football Outsiders. And I love the data point because it's basically taking everything down to a play level and it adjusts for all factors so you hear of epa so epa is doing the same thing right it's looking at okay down distance score situation what quarter you're in all these things and they can use it versus historical data and say are you better or worse than the league average but the thing that football outsiders does on top of that is they account for your opponent so it's adjusted for the quality of your opponent which is really cool and so if you look at the the chiefs they're 17th Whereas the Eagles, 
you know, they're number three on offense and number six on defense. Whereas, so the Chiefs are going to have to lean into that offense. So I think selling out to take something away, make the Eagles one-dimensional and get that fast start is going to be key. Yeah, I think that that is definitely going to be important for uh, for the Chiefs' defense to try to slow down this this Eagles offense. On the flip side, you talk about Patrick Mahomes being the reason that this number stays so close because the Eagles are so balanced. The Chiefs, we know, can throw the football, and uh, you know we'll talk about individual players uh, a little bit uh, in, in just a little bit here. If you are the Eagles and you look at this and you say, hey, look, is it as simple as saying, hey, look, if we if we can shut down Patrick Mahomes or slow down Patrick Mahomes, I mean, nobody can really stop Patrick Mahomes, it seems. Uh, if you slow them down uh, because that is so much of what the Chiefs offense is built on. Uh, you know, there's no such thing. I don't believe at least there's going to be an easy victory for either of these teams. But that feels like that has to be Philadelphia's game plan coming into this week. Yeah, the thing you have to do, and this is also not easy, many teams have tried and failed, but the Eagles are the number one secondary in the league from a yards per attempt basis, you know, given up only 5.4 per attempt. That's really strong. We talked about their DVOA on defense. They're the sixth best. Um, so they would have, if anybody is going to have a chance, it's them, but you have to take away Travis Kelsey. You know, I mean, if you've got to go all in on stopping Kelsey, we've talked about it numerous times on the pod this year, Marcus. Um, and, and look, these are NFL players. They're far better than you and me. They're not sitting in a chair, you know, with the shades drawn, sitting here talking about the game. They're going to be playing the game. So no disrespect meant, but Kelsey is it. When you look at Juju, he's an average receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a below-average receiver. Sky Moore has not been able to force his way on the field after being a second-round pick, despite the struggles of said players we just talked about. Kadarius Toney's not able to stay healthy, and even when he is, they don't trust him on the field for more than 30% of plays. So take away Kelsey, double him, bracket him, do everything that you need to do, and basically let your chips fall where they, where they fall you know, on these other guys. And you've got the corners to do it. You've got Darius Slay. You've got James Bradbury. Those are mismatches in your favor. Like, you know, Justin Watson lined up against Darius Slay. Who cares? Single coverage <laughs> all day. Don't care. Right? So, and Bradbury is a great matchup against MVS. He's that big bodied, you know, uh, cornerback. It was amazing. I heard a former NFL player like come out and be like, MVS is his pick to be like the player of the game. I'm like, what are you looking at? <laughs> like MVS has not been good all year. He's not good at the coverages that the Eagles run. And he's a, it's a mismatch nightmare. James Bradbury is going to be a problem for MV. I don't think MVS gets to 30 yards in the game. Um, so I, I think that's the thing. You got to take away Kelsey. That feels like talking about the MVS prediction. That just feels like, Hey, I watched last week's game. I watched, you know, two weeks ago and MVS had a good game. He's getting yeah. hot. Why not ride him? Uh, I mean, it is the definition of recency bias here, as opposed to looking at not just this full season for Valdez Scantley, but his entire body of work over yeah. his career and nothing about what he's done suggests that I, look, anything can happen, certainly, but, but there's no reason to believe uh, that he is going to be the focal point or the guy who really breaks out. If he does, kudos to him. It will be a surprise, I think, to everybody, probably even himself. Um, but but I just don't I don't see that as as being the the key uh, for the Chiefs winning this football game. L let's take a look though further in depth at the Eagles' offense, especially a guy like Jalen Hurts, who is sort of the focal point of this whole thing. He makes it go. We talked earlier in the week about 
what his future is in terms of potential contract extensions and the fact that he has positioned himself, at least salary-wise, as a top-five quarterback in the league. And I would say his play on the field has certainly uh, mirrored that as well. We also talked about the fact that he has not thrown for a ton of yards in the playoffs. The Eagles haven't needed it. It hasn't been necessary. Uh, he still run the ball certainly very effectively over the last few weeks. Will he need to have that big rebound game? Will he have to put up some decent, maybe not 300 passing yards, but will he have to be in that maybe, you know, 250, 260 range for Philadelphia to have a chance in this one? Yeah, that's where I would expect him. Um, if you go back to pre-injury, right, and you look at the first 15 games of the season, 248 passing yards per game, I, I think that's where you're going to expect to see Hurts. Um, you mentioned it. It's really, you know, the lack of passing yardage over the last three games. And that's what weighs down props. That's what weighs down projections that you look at in the industry, because a lot of times folks will use a weighted formula, right? It's like, okay, here's their season average, but the last three games or last five games get a 70% weight, right? Versus 30% for the season. And that pulls these numbers down. But whenever you look at Hertz, like there really are some specific circumstances to your point that were going on week 18, at halftime, they were leading by 16 points and just trying to stay healthy. Basically, they wanted to make sure they had the number one seed, you know, against the Giants. Now, the game got a little more competitive than they wanted at the end, but the Eagles ended up pulling it out. They didn't have to throw the ball a lot. And it was it was his first game back from the shoulder injury. Then you go to the divisional round. 28-point lead at halftime. You don't have to throw the ball in the second half. I mean, again, against the Giants. And then we saw the conference championship game where, unfortunately, the 49ers, you know, had the quarterback challenges, a 14-point lead at halftime, knowing they have a quarterback that can't throw the ball. So I, I think you can kind of throw that all out the window. And I would much more lean towards what you've seen this season as far as an average goes. And then kind of the other point you were alluding to there, like you're going to have to keep the pedal to the metal and do everything you can to score as many points. Now for the Eagles, that does mean a balanced attack. They win through efficiency in their passing game. You know, so if you look at Hertz, he averages 8.0 yards per attempt. That's number one in the NFL. So like, it's not all built around, Oh, got to pass the ball, you know, 50 times a game. It's let's pass the ball, you know, 30 times a game, but let's be really efficient with it. And then when you pair that with our run game, the scrambling from Hertz equals a really good offense. And so I don't think to your point, you'll get like that 300 yard passing game out of Hertz, but expect him to be closer to his average. But I do think three touchdowns is on the table, two passing, probably one rushing. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, like if I had to pre predict, like he's having two at least, but I would lean to probably three touchdowns, especially if the Eagles are going to, you know, win the game. I think, yeah, if the Eagles are going to win this game, it's because Jalen Hurts uh, was very productive, distributed the football, ran the football effectively, did all those things that he's done all year long. And you talk about the Eagles really trying to focus on slowing down Travis Kelsey. I think for the Chiefs, a big part of it is trying to contain Jalen Hurts as much as possible, knowing how balanced the Eagles are. Uh, you know, if, if suddenly we see him with his rushing totals around, you know, 80, 85 yards, 90 yards, uh, I think that means it's a bad day for that Kansas <laughs> City defense because that's going to open things up for A.J. Well, Brown, for Devonta Smith, for all those guys there. So Kansas City's really got, I think, focus on trying to keep him, I think, in the pocket as much as possible. And red zone, like the Chiefs just have to be better in red zone defense. So, I mean, they give up a touchdown 67% of the time their opponent gets inside the 20. So that tells you a lot about their defense and how a lot of their problems have been masked by leading scripts. 
Um, and if you look at the Eagles, they're the number three touchdown scoring team inside the red zone. They score on 69% of their possessions. They get inside the 20. So this is strength on weakness. And this is one of the big reasons why I think that, you know, the Eagles can just come in and play their game and win and they can still beat the chiefs because it's going to come down to these points. And that's where Hertz is just such a huge part of it, right? Cause mo his touchdowns are probably going to come from inside the 20 and he's probably going to run one in from inside the 10 inside the five yard line. And he is what makes their offense so tough to handle. Once you get down in that area of the field, because you have to account for the design runs with him. If he doesn't keep the ball on the design run, right. Um, or they make it look like a design run is the way I should really phrase that. And that ends up being an RPO, right? Where it's really a throw out to like a, a receiver, you know, that's got blockers in front of them, or that's a handoff to the running back. And really the defense is so worried about stopping Hertz that that equals, you know, wide open rushing lanes for touchdowns for Miles Sanders. Like it's just a lot of, it creates a lot of problems when you have to deal with Jalen Hurts inside the 10, inside the 20 yard line. I think uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure on guys like Frank Clark, uh, oh, George yeah. Karloftis trying to, to keep contained, keep him in the pocket, and then seeing if Chris Jones and those guys in the middle can get some pressure, uh, forcing him to get rid of the football or make some quick decisions there. For all that we talk about Jalen Hurts running the football, understandably, the guy who was their leading rusher this year was Miles Sanders, had a brilliant season, over 1,200 rushing yards, uh, 11 touchdowns on the ground, and you said earlier in the week, you love him to have a huge game, especially to get over uh, that prop number there, because, again, you, you sort of feel like recency bias and game script have sort of conspired to keep that number a little bit low. Uh, so for all this talk and all this focus on on Jalen Hurts running the football, uh, what are the odds that Miles Sanders sort of sneaks up on this Chiefs defense and has a big day? Yeah, Sanders, like, you know, and I put it in the show notes, it's just like, bet, 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 bet. Like, there's so <laughs> many bets that I like on Miles Sanders. Um, now, it's probably going to get steamed because Evan Silva came out and put a tweet out about him being the Super Bowl MVP Thanks, yesterday. Evan. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, now I have to say, our very own, you can go check it out over in the Game Hub, Jeff also has put down that he would be putting money on Sanders for the Super Bowl MB MVP. Um, and I, I like it as well um, for a lot of different reasons, but you kind of alluded to the main part, which is it ties to the same stuff we just talked about with Jalen Hurts. But, you know, Sanders hasn't eclipsed 40% of the rushing attempts uh, since week 17, but really it's all been game script induced. A lot of people think that Kenneth Gainwell's role has increased. It actually hasn't. Um, you know, what's happened is if you look over those three games, he's only Miles Sanders, that is, has only played 23% of the second half snaps. Um, it's due to those leads that we talked about with Jalen Hurts. And this week, we've talked about it, 1.5 point favorites. Like, this is going to be a closer game. So Sanders, whenever they're in games that are close, so the Eagles, they've led more than any other team by four-plus points this season. However, they have had a few games where they have not led by four-plus points on 35% or more of their plays. So, And that tells you how crazy it is. Like, they lead on 60% of their plays. It's, it's you know... What the Eagles have done this year is really special on offense and the way they've been able to control the ball. They, they've done so many things well, but there have been these games where it's been closer. And in those, Sanders has handled 61% of the rushing attempts. In fact, if you just look at the total season where the game is within three points, right? He's closer to 60% of the team's rushing attempts. So I think this is a game where he's going to be on the field a lot more. And we've seen those happen. We've seen him have 75% of the rushing attempts for the Eagles uh, multiple times, not multiple times at 75%, but up in the 60, 70% range. We've seen that multiple times this season. And it typically ties back to the kind of game that we're expecting 
right now, this weekend. And again, that Chiefs defense, we've already talked about it. It's middle of the pack against the run, and the Eagles are going to want to do the opposite of what the Chiefs want. Right? Chiefs want to make the Eagles one-dimensional. The Eagles want to say diverse. They want the Chiefs to have to guess every single play what's coming because you mentioned guys like Frank Clark. Clark is not set up to stop the run, especially against the linemen that the Eagles have, right? He wants to pin his ears back and go after Jalen Hurts and try to get the sack. You start running at him and then having him deal with, you know, plus Jalen Hurts handling the design runs and things like that. That's not what Frank Clark wants to be doing. So we know that that's going to be a key for the Eagles. But yeah, right now over on BetMGM, uh, you can get an over 60 and a half rushing yards minus 110. That's absolutely something that I would take. And, it, you know, even if you just look... You know, Marcus, like if you just want to simplify it and just say like, well, you know, Miles Sanders has averaged 74 yards per game. Like you can cut out everything I just said. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's averaged <laughs> 74 yards a game on the season and we have a 59 and a half yard rushing prop. But like we talked about earlier, why is it down? Because of these weighted formulas. The weighted formula looks at the last three games and sees that his opportunities are down. It doesn't necessarily take all the context that you and I have just talked about. So there it is. The Cliff's Notes version is he averages about 75 yards per game, uh, if, if that's what you're looking at. I will say this. If he does win the Super Bowl MVP, it would be a little bit of history because you look back, only seven running yeah. backs in the whole history of the Super Bowl have ever won the MVP. The last one to do it, Terrell Davis, way back in 1998 in Super Bowl 32, when the Broncos beat the Packers down in San Diego. Terrell Davis actually winning Super Bowl MVP in his hometown there in San Diego, the first of those two back-to-back uh, -back Broncos Super Bowl wins. So we have not had a running back win the award this century, although I would say the caveat to that is... James White very well could have and probably should have won it when the, the Patriots beat the Falcons in the infamous 28-3 to game. And I think you could have made a very strong uh, case for Damian Williams to win it when the Chiefs beat the 49ers just uh, a couple of years ago in Super Bowl 54. So um, there are some guys that probably could have won the award, but nobody's done it in what, 25 years. So a quarter of a century since a running back has won Super Bowl MVP. So uh, it would be a big deal. If Miles Plus Sanders sixteen hundred right now, I think. Wow. Uh, okay. No, that's no. That was for the. That actually is wrong. That is mm. for the first reception. Sorry, Jordan probably sees it, but I, it's <laughs> it's like over plus two thousand, I believe, because okay. of what you just talked about. So yeah. like, there's big odds on it. The, the one other thing I will say with Sanders, um, you know, if you look at what the Chiefs do from a coverage standpoint, there's also a chance that he's really more involved in the game receiving this week. Now, he's not going to take over the passing down role. That is Kenneth Gainwell's. But if you look at cover two, which is what the Chiefs love to run, um, if you look at the running backs and Sanders being one of those, you know, he has a 15 percent you know, targets per route run against quarters. He's at 14 percent cover threes at 13 percent. So. Um, all the things that the Chiefs like to do, their primary coverages, Sanders has been more involved in. So I think this could be one of those handful of games that we've seen this year where he's at a 10%, 12% target share. And if he just breaks one of those, right, that's really good. So I think there's a chance that, you know, he gets involved a little bit more than what we've seen in the, in the receiving game as well. Jordan, on the case, uh, it's plus 2,500. 2,500, yeah. 2,500 for Miles Sanders to win, to win the MVP. Uh, Dallas Goddard. 
I don't know anybody's talking about him for MVP, but still a crucial part of this game because you know obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Dallas Goddard has had an outstanding season for Philadelphia. How much do you expect him to be involved this weekend? Well, and with Goddard, it's really he's hot. Like you know, he was injured. He got back from his first game from injury, kind of worked his way in. But then since then, target shares of 23%, 22%, and 25%. So, I mean, this is a very consolidated attack. I mean, pretty much every week, Marcus, we've got 75 to 85% of the targets. That's crazy for the Eagles just going to three players. It's the opposite, right, of the Chiefs. The Chiefs is like, okay, 30% to Travis Kelsey, 10% to you, 12% to you, 5% to you, 7% to you. You know, it's it's just spread around everywhere. The Eagles are very consolidated. Like Quez Watkins, like, you know, nobody, like, he's invisible. He's Casper, pretty much. You know what I mean? Zach Paschal doesn't really get targets. Jack Stoll, hardly on the field. The running backs get a little bit, but Jalen Hurts also scrambles a lot too, right? So that takes away from checkdowns to those guys. So it's just, uh, you know, we'll see probably a little bit more of the running backs this week because I talked about it with the cover too, but Goddard's running hot. It's a consolidated attack. And, and again, he's another bet that I like, you know, if you look at his receiving right line right now and bet MGM, it's 47 and a half minus 110. Um, so, I mean, he's another one where I can just keep it simple for you, Marcus. A, he's averaged 55.9 on the season. <laughs> so it's over the number that we're getting. And um, if we look at, you know, just how hot he's been over the last few games, like even though the Eagles haven't needed to throw the ball in the second half in the last two games, he still has 10 targets. He has 10 targets over the last two games when the Eagles are just blowing their opponents' wheels off. So I really do like Dallas Goddard and the over on his receiving prop. And all this obviously comes with the the belief that we all believe that that you'll see Jalen Hurts' passing numbers closer to what we saw during the yes. regular season. I mean, that was... You know, we, we talked earlier about A.J. Brown, Smith, uh, not not having their normal receiving numbers because they haven't been needed. Uh, the the overwhelming belief is that all those guys are going to be needed for Philadelphia to win on the Kansas City side. Everything, of course, starts with Patrick Mahomes. He says he's still sort of dealing with that high ankle sprain, but it's better than it has been. And I really think short of an amputation, nothing is going to keep him off the field. Even then, he might still try to see if he can take a couple of series, uh, what have you. Just no matter what you look at or how you slice it, Patrick Mahomes has been successful. He is good. He dominates great defenses. Uh, you can't really blitz him because then you're asking to pay the price. How can the Philadelphia off or defense slow him down, or can they slow him down considering what we've seen from him, not only in his career, but this season especially? Yeah, I mean, we talked about one component of that earlier, right, is Kelsey, but I think that's the only way you can do it. If we look at Mahomes this year, um, this will certainly be one of his toughest tests. The Eagles are an elite pass defense. They're an elite defense, period, but they really, like, they're great. They're okay against the run, really, really good against the pass. But when you look at Mahomes, what he's done has been really amazing, Marcus. Um, so he's faced top 10 EPA defenses on seven occasions this season. Okay, now some of those are repeats. He played the Broncos twice. The Chargers fit into that bucket. Guess how many yards he averaged against top 10 EPA defenses against the pass? I'm going to go, let's say, let's say 315. Oh, man, you're very close. 333. Wow. 333 <laughs> yards per game against the best pass defenses in the NFL. 2.6 passing touchdowns per game. He eclipsed 300 yards 
in six of those seven contests. So it's just like when the stakes are high, when the challenge, you know, gauntlet is thrown down, like this dude just, he takes it to another level. You know, he's just on another plane than everyone else right now. And that's saying a lot because we have some really good quarterbacks playing in the NFL right now. And Mahomes is just on another level. So I do think it's like we talked about earlier. It all comes back to Kelsey. If if you can take him away and force MVS to have to make big plays, force Juju to have to make big plays. It's like funny. You hear, you hear Andy Reid. These coaches get asked about everything on these two weeks leading up to Super Bowl. <laughs> so it's like you get a lot of, uh, you know, nuggets, but you also just get a lot of honestly generic coach speak. Yeah. You know, he's go, Andy Reid's going on. Yeah. Juju's great after the catch. You're looking at his yards after the catch numbers. You're like, no, he's not. And he's like, yeah, he's really good at getting open. You're like separation numbers. No, he's not. And then you're just like, no dude, he's like good against zone coverage against linebackers and safeties. And that's, it like and TikTok, like he's good at TikTok. Um, so it's uh, you got to put the burden on on you know Mahomes to have to go to those guys. And if you can do that as the Eagles, like that's their one chance to like really you know win the game by more than a touchdown. Um, is if you can force you know the ball to those other guys, but even then, that's where Andy Reid has been a mastermind this year. You know, we joke about what he said with Smith Schuster, but what he's done with Jarek McKinnon, what he's done with Kadarius Tony. What he's done with McCole Hardman when he's had him, he will not be playing this week. But he's found ways. And even Clyde Edwards-Alaire early in the season. You know, I feel like every week you and I were having to talk about, folks, this is not sustainable. Everybody needs to relax. You know, <laughs> can't score touchdowns inside the 10-yard line like every time they're there. Um, but the red zone offense is so creative and getting those playmakers into space. We talked about it a little bit before, but Patrick Mahomes going into last week, I didn't check after last week. He only had three touchdowns come off of passes of 20-plus yards or more. This is a guy that used to get over half of his touchdowns that way. So this scheme has evolved, and it has shown that Mahomes is really great at being able to also take what you give him, especially when you've got someone like Andy Reid scheming it up. Uh, that, I think, is one of the big keys. I mean, we, we said this earlier. When you look at Mahomes and Kelsey, you're talking about two phenomenally talented players, but also uh, they've all been matched up with a coach who is incredibly creative about making sure and, and creating those opportunities for his guys. Uh, you look at Travis Kelsey, I'm looking at this right now, in the, the 14 wins that the Chiefs had during the regular season, he averaged uh, just about seven receptions per game, just about 80 yards per game, and the three losses during the regular season, that number dropped about five catches per game, about 74 yards per game. The yards didn't really fall off that much. Uh, maybe a couple fewer catches. I guess the did point you, being, he's good. Did you see Bill Yates' tweet yesterday? I'm looking for it right now, but this was, I mean, I was just like, wow. Um, what his um, totals are in playoff games. Yeah, so he has seven, Kelsey has 17 career playoff games, Marcus. Mm -hmm. In the 17 games, 127 catches. 1467 yards and 15 <laughs> receiving touchdowns. So 17 games, that's that's an NFL season. Yeah. 127 catches, 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns. Like talk about another dude that just like goes to another level when the game is really, you know, when the stakes are the highest. Like it's it's amazing. And again, why the the Eagles have just got to try to do everything they can to take this dude away. That would be, I mean, looking at his career numbers, that would be his career best season. Yes, <laughs> and he's done it. He has done it when the games have mattered the most. That maybe is the most impressive thing uh, in a list of really impressive things about <laughs> Travis Kelsey's career so far. So we know that the Eagles have to try to slow down Travis Kelsey and make those other wide receivers beat them. 
But one of the not-so-secret weapons for the Chiefs in the last few weeks, going back to about week 14 or so, has been Jarek McKinnon. And, and I argue he's actually been the number two target on this team after Travis Kelsey. Uh, how important is he going to be for Kansas City this week? Well, if the Eagles are somehow able to execute on it, you know, you're never going to take Kelsey fully away. But if you go all in and you can somehow limit him, right? McKinnon would be my next pick. To, to say this is the dude that has to have a big game um, because the Eagles do play a lot of cover three. They play a lot of quarters. Um, and if you look at McKinnon against cover three, 21% targets per route run against quarters, 23% targets per route run. Um, and he can give you the big plays in the passing game. He's not been very good in the run game. And, and that's where Pacheco has really been like a nice find right over the last like eight, nine weeks. Pacheco's played really well in that area. But if you're in a game where you know you're going to, you know, the, the Chiefs identity is still through the pass game and who's going to be the next best option, especially with some of the wrinkles and things that they can do that we talked about with Andy Reid, I do think that it's McKinnon. And McKinnon is a guy right now that if you look at him, you know, we were super excited just four or five weeks ago. Why? Because of all the touchdowns. I mean, he scored nine touchdowns in six games. Like, it, look, it was bound to come down. Like, it had to come down. Like, regression screen, like, this has to stop. Um, but now he hasn't scored one in the last two games, and I think he's kind of, you know, if you look at the industry rankings, most people have Isaiah Pacheco ahead of McKinnon. And if you're just, if you're just you know, you know, you're ranking him for, you know, his median outcome, you know, uh, we, you know, this weekend, that's probably right. But if you're looking at which one has the biggest ceiling, it's McKinnon. Like McKinnon is still the one that can pop off for 30 fantasy points. He's the guy that can pop off for 25 plus fantasy points. So he scored six or fewer, you know, fantasy points in 19 of his games this year. So it's not, it's, it's eight of 19 games. Sorry. So it's not like the last two weeks is a new thing. Like we've kind of seen this all year, but he's a boom bust player. And so in this particular game with the way the matchup stacks up, I do like McKinnon as being someone that can come through, especially like if you're going to do uh, like, I like McKinnon and I haven't looked at the projected roster ships like to see, like if this is a super sharp player or not, but my guess is it will be because so many people will go with the quarterbacks, but like McKinnon is someone like putting him in your captain spot. Like, I really like it. Like it's, it's, it, you know, if it doesn't go well, it just doesn't go well. But if he pops <laughs> off, you know, and he has two touchdowns and he has 80 yards, you know, receiving and 30 yards rushing like you're just going to be in a really good in a really good place so I think he's someone that you would consider because of that ceiling game that he can give you yeah I mean I think I think that's always in play and again um, I feel like he's going to be integral because Philadelphia is going to focus so much of its energy as you mentioned on trying to slow down Travis Kelsey and sure maybe maybe you do get a big game out of MVS or maybe somehow Noah Gray shows up and makes a couple of plays here but I think McKinnon is sort of the next guy in the pecking order if Travis Kelsey isn't available or you know the times when when maybe he's not available but that being said, the wide receivers are going to still have to play a role. Maybe you don't get 100 yards out of Juju Smith-Schuster. But, Dwayne, I feel like those guys being healthy and being available and being able to make plays occasionally, you know, moving the chains when, need, when needed, uh, that's going to have to be important for Kansas City this week. Yeah, absolutely. Those guys are going to have to step up as much as they can. I like Juju the most because he's going to get the most protection, right? They're going to move him around a little bit more. MVS is probably going to see Bradbury most of the day. Juju will get the lineup in the slot. The, the nice thing with him, now he got hurt last week, so he obviously came out of the game in the championship, or two weeks ago, 42% of the routes, but that was due to the knee injury. But 
He's been out there since week 13. He's averaged 82% route participation, which is, you know, earlier in the year, if you think back, like there were weeks where we're like, man, why is he at 65%? You know, and they were using three tight ends and he was coming off the field. That's kind of gone away now. And he, he's, he's able to stay on the field in a lot of the two wide receiver sets. So just availability is the number one thing I'm looking for with these, you know, receivers, because none of them is truly elite. Now, Juju does demand more targets than MVS. So I would rank him above there. But if I had to pick one, I think Juju is the next that I would pick to come through. He's also played pretty well against cover three. He's one of these guys that comes through against zone coverage for some of the things that we've talked about in the past. He gets the matchups with the linebackers and the safeties. And if Kelsey's really getting a lot of attention in a similar area of the field, then you could see Juju pop. Now, he's not a high-end wide receiver one profile like we once thought. There was at one point where we thought Juju Smith-Schuster not too long ago, like three years ago. As like a top five, you know, dynasty wide receiver, top three. A lot of people had him number one because he was so young when he broke onto the scene. We, we know that that's not the case anymore, right? He he had an outlier season there, um, but 18% targets per route run and a 1.77 yards per route run is not bad when you're in an offense like the Chiefs where they want to throw the ball all the time. You're playing with Patrick Mahomes. So there's still ways that he can come through. Um, MVS, I think moves down because it does sound like Kadarius Tony's going to play. It does sound like Juju's going to play. Um, and again, you hit on it earlier, just, and this goes back right through his entire career. It's not new in Kansas city. He's just not been a high target demander. Now he does have a high a dot, so he could come through like his average depth of target is really good. He gets, he gets passes down the field. But Bradbury, again, is going to be a problem. That's a big corner. Um, MVS has a lot of problems when he's in contested catch situations, which is kind of weird because he is a contested catch (laughs) receiver. Um, So that becomes problematic, especially against this kind of matchup. So I'm fading MVS. I'm fully off of him this week. I mean, I would play Kadarius Tony over him. Like if I if Mm. I see that Tony's going to play. I do think I I certainly understand that. I think there's logic to that when you you look at the ability to get the ball to Tony, I think it's easier to get him the ball. Yep. And the fact that we we love watching him in space because he's liable to make three guys miss. As you mentioned the other day, he's liable to make three guys miss and maybe roll an ankle and miss the rest of the game <laughs> while doing it. But but in the process, it was absolutely amazing to watch. So uh, I, I can certainly see a, a scenario where he ends up having a much better day than MVS does, provided he stays healthy uh, for the entire four quarters. I think of course, of- yeah, I think of John Madden every time I, I see Kadarius Tony because I'll never forget. It was a preseason game. Uh, it was Clinton Portis's rookie year. So this was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I remember Madden sitting there watching Clinton Portis, you know, and this was, you know, this is a Broncos team that had, you know, a lot of, you know, thousand yard rushers, you know. And, you know, you'd had Terrell Davis before that. Mm-hmm. And so you're expecting a good run game, but like he was blown away. He was like, this guy has moves on top of moves like that, <laughs> that, that, that comment or quote, like pops into my head. Every time I see Kadarius Tony, I'm like, this guy has moves on top of moves. Sometimes just too many moves for his own body. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Like, yeah, just maybe one less move. Uh, maybe he'd be a little bit healthier. Who knows? Uh, of course you can get all this information and more over at the game hub. Uh, plenty of information already in there. Picks and the like in there. Anything else, any other, any other bets that uh, you see there? that uh, maybe have jumped out to you? Um, there's a lot. I would just tell folks that they need to go over and check it out. Um, right. I want to say this: there's already 12 in there, and I'm about to add these that we talked about in here after the show. So, I mean, we'll probably be up to 15 bets or so that are going to be okay. in, in, the, uh, in, the, 
game hub. But if you look at it, like we, we talked about a couple of them, um, but there there's to tie into what we were just talking about. You've got Mark with Jarek McKinnon over 20.5 receiving yards. So I really do like that one as well for a lot of the reasons that we just talked about. But yeah, folks can go over and check it out. So uh, while you are there, you should also get yourself into the Fantasy Life Playoff Contest for the Super Bowl, just in case you needed another sweat. You can compete against the analysts. You can compete against other fans. Uh, Unfortunately, because if you're just getting in now, you are not sadly eligible for the grand prize trip. But there are plenty of other things that you can win. And if nothing else, it's just fun. You can kind of test your mettle against some folks who spend a whole lot of time doing this. So go over to FantasyLife.com. Put your Super Bowl picks in right now. And uh, I say it all the time. If you haven't already, sign up for the newsletter. Because, yes, we will still be doing the newsletter all throughout the offseason. Because there's still plenty of stuff to talk about. So uh, we will get that to you as well. Before we go, though, we have to do it. It is what everybody uh, is wanting to know. It is what we are setting up for as well. Dwayne, who is your pick to win Super Bowl 57? And who will be the most valuable player? Yeah, I am going with the Eagles just because they are the more complete team. Just after we talk about you can't ever bet against Mahomes, I'm going to bet against Mahomes. But it just it just comes back to these. These are two really good teams, but I think the Eagles have the the better squad. And, you know, the easy out here is Jalen Hurts. Like, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, most likely Jalen Hurts is going to win the MVP, right? That's just the way it works. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if we want to have a wild card, I would say Miles Sanders would be the one that I would put the chip on. If I'm betting something and I want to just have like a nice sweat where I can put down $100 for a chance to win $2,500, then Miles Sanders is your dude. Well, uh, I like those. You can you can call me Crayola because I'm going to go chalk. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to be your Super Bowl champions with, uh, you know, once again, uh, Howie Roseman putting together another outstanding squad. I think they raised the trophy, and I think it's Jalen Hurts. That ends up winning the MVP. I was saying to someone the other day, uh, Super Bowl MVP sort of feels like the Heisman Trophy in that it's it feels like it's it's primarily a quarterback <laughs> award. And unless unless somebody from another position just has a lights out game, right? I mean, if if Miles Sanders goes for a buck fifty and a couple of touchdowns, if if uh, AJ Brown has like two hundred receiving yards, I think those guys get talked about potentially. But if nobody else has a huge standout game it's probably going to be the quarterback from the winning team that ends up uh, as Super Bowl MVP. But regardless, we wait to see how it all shakes out on Sunday in Glendale. Should be a whole lot of fun. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. We certainly are glad that you were here uh, to hang out with us as we broke it down all for you. So that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. For Dwayne, I am Marcus. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And we'll be back to wrap it up and talk to you again next week.